0: as Christians, need to be very clear that ours is a supernatural faith. It rests on supernatural claims. Angels are a very comforting belief. They're our friends. They're there to help us. A sin which injures children is really a grave, grave, grave sin. And he tells us this. Jesus tells us this in his own words.
1: Well, welcome to The Ask Podcast. We are back uh, again with Greg Sheridan uh, looking at Christians, The Urgent Case. I've still got my book here and we're coming up to Christmas and we're chapter five and it's been preordained, predestined that we would be talking about angels. So my first question for you, Greg, is do you have an angel on top of your Christmas tree?
0: Uh, No, we have a star. Well, we do have angels. We've got two Christmas trees, oddly enough. We do have angels on both of them. But at the very top, we have a star.
1: Okay, well, the star of Bethlehem. So we'll yeah. we'll, we'll, we'll let you away with that. Um, I'm just curious. I, I wasn't expecting you to do a chapter on angels. Why did you do that?
0: Well, there's several reasons, David. One is I love angels. Uh, so, you know, we uh, Catholics have a sacrament of confirmation at which we take a, a saint's name. The confirmation is meant to confer the gifts of the Holy Spirit. I, I chose the name of the archangel Raphael and... Um, uh, I, I think he's a real good guy. And secondly, uh, you need all the help you can get. And uh, if there is a guardian angel or, or if angels generally are there to help us, as it says in the New Testament that they are, well, I'm not going to deny their help. Thirdly, angels are one part of Christian theology, which has maintained tremendous popular belief. So intellectuals may have scorned the virgin birth or scorned the divine or something. but. Normal human beings know that there are angels and they they believe in them very, very widely. Something like 77% of Americans and about half of Australians believe in angels. And then finally, um, David, or the final two reasons. One, I think angels are important theologically, but also um, Christianity is a supernatural faith. It relies on certain supernatural propositions. And one of the many ways in which you can deny Christianity is to try to reduce it to a sociological uh, impulse to charity. Now, the social impulse to charity is a fantastic impulse. That's great. It's part of Christianity. But, you know, if you took out all the miracles and all the angels from the Bible, you'd, you'd reduce it by about half or something. So why would you bother with it if half of it is lies? And I think we, we as Christians, need to be very clear that ours is a supernatural faith. It rests on supernatural claims uh, made by Christ and upheld by the church, of which angels are are an integral part. They
1: are. Um, I'm I'm sorry, I'm I'm not wishing to be irreverent at all, but when you said Raphael, I just thought you were named after one of the teenage mutant ninja turtles.
0: (laughs) (laughs) He might have been named after the archangel. Yeah, that's true. That's true.
1: Um, Mm And, you know, it is interesting, isn't it though? Because again, we're coming towards Christmas and I'm sorry, I am one of these people who, um, what's the word? Watches a a wonderful, it's a wonderful life, you know, pretty well every Christmas. I think it's, I I think it's just an absolutely fabulous film, but that's interesting. You know, the popular belief in angels, it remains so strong. I mean it's really do you have any explanation for that i just find it intriguing i don't know why
0: well most most human beings uh, have a sense of god even beyond the christian tradition and they have a sense of the spirit world now christianity liberates people from being terrified of the spirit world or being enthralled to the evil spirits or something but it doesn't abolish the spirit world it says that the spirit world is under the dominion of God. But it's, it's uh, you know, some of the enemies of Christianity will say, well, there are elements of Christianity which are similar to all other religions, as though that's an argument against Christianity. I think rather it's an argument that God and, and the expectation of God are deep in the human DNA, and you find expressions of them in all, in all uh, religious sensibilities. And most people know that there are our evil spirits and there are our good spirits our friends i mean this is not a question of the occult or something um but the popular belief angels are a very comforting belief they're our friends they're there to help us um so in my book on christian in my chapter on christian culture i reference some of the movies um it's a it's a wonderful life certainly And the very next year the the bishop's wife came out with Cary grant playing the angel now that that shows you the prestige of angels. You know, they found the most charming guy on the whole planet, and he was uh, he was the embodiment of an angel. But they continue in movies and books. So there was that movie a few years ago, Meet Joe Black, where um, Brad Pitt is an angel come to take Anthony Hopkins to heaven. And although it's not a very theology-heavy movie, there's a lovely line at the end, there's a lovely moment at the end where Anthony Hopkins says to Brad Pitt, uh, his angel is taking him, a way to eternal life, he says, uh, should I be scared? And uh, Joe Black says, a man like you, the life you've led, I don't think you need to be scared. And there's actually a whole world of theology, popular theology in that. Then we've had all these uh, TV series, Touched by an Angel and so forth. Michael Landon has no Cary Grant, but he was a a legitimate heartthrob. And, um, you know, William Buckley remarked, David, I'm sure you'll be familiar with this, that he would rather be governed by the first 10 pages of the Boston phone book than by the whole of the Harvard faculty. And while I'm not against intellectuals or anything, I often think there is a certain wisdom in the common in the common herd, you know, the common herd of humanity, common herd of humanity, prays to God when it's in trouble and it understands that there are angels there to 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 help it.
1: Yeah, I mean, it's interesting because you're saying about there there's a whole bunch of theology there. Uh, the theology that you just mentioned in that particular part, you know, is is really a theology of works. You know, I've led a good life, so I'll be fine, which sure, I don't sure. think. I, 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 I mean, and that is a popular belief, you know, so it is. And it intrigues me that the, the, the popular belief in angels as something comforting, which is true. But in the Bible, they're also something terrific. I think Milton gets it better. Then it's a wonderful life, if I put it that way, in terms of <laughs> theology, you know. Um uh, But speaking of theology, I, I want to take you, now you do, you're, you're very balanced in this, as always, so you cite the Pope and you cite Aquinas. But the two quotes that stuck out for me were from Calvin and Luther, who, I think in Protestantism overall, there's not been a significant... Uh, emphasis on angels and maybe a reaction has caused us to go um, the opposite way. But let me give you the two quotes. So Calvin in the Institutes on page 134, you say, angels are the dispensers and administrators of the divine beneficence towards us. They regard our safety, undertake our defense, direct our ways and exercise a constant solicitude that no evil befall us. And then Luther in his table talk says, an angel is a spiritual creature without a body created by God for the service of Christendom and the church. Th- these are actually marvellous quotes. Did, did you just find them, you know, as you're doing your daily reading in the Institutes? or
0: <laughs> Look, I wish I could say I had, but I suspect... Um... You know, uh, this might be a senior moment, but I can't actually remember exactly how I found them, but um, <laughs> it may be that I was searching uh, searching about angels, rather. Although, um, I did read quite a lot of books on angels, and one of the best was Billy Graham's book, God's Messengers, and Billy Graham echoes your comments. He says, why haven't I heard a lot of sermons about angels? Uh, he says, I've, I've been preaching and, and going to church my whole life, and I've never heard uh, a homily or a pastor speak about angels and mm-hmm. so billy graham a very practical guy says okay let's i'm going to tell you what we know about angels and he writes this lovely little book god's messengers it's only a couple hundred pages it's not a it's not a doorstopper or anything and uh full of wisdom and indeed i suspect that i may have got those uh, references from from his book um mm-hmm. and then, I found a lot of a lot of references to angels. I mean the things which divide Christian denominations certainly the belief in angels is not one of those. I mean we might have uh-huh. you know there might be disputes about this and that about them but but the basic idea that there are angels um, they're so present in scripture they they're there from the from Genesis all the way through the Old Testament all the way through the New Testament they're there at the beginning of the New Testament the angel Gabriel comes to Mary and they're there at the end of the New Testament in the book of Revelation with uh, the archangel Michael, um, you know, fighting the uh, fighting uh, uh, the devil and so forth. Uh, now, you're, you're quite right. Angels are there to help us. But there are several episodes in the New Testament where the angels do a bit of smiting. You know, there's no doubt about that.
1: Yeah, I mean, it's interesting because in, in our, I mean, you're right about Billy Graham, by the way, that's still... Uh, I think it, that's the standard book I would refer people to. So I, I do think in Protestant theology it, there's not been a, a lot of emphasis, and that is why Graham wrote it. But I would, I would, I would say that in the kind of world in which we live, the idea of angelic beings or spiritual beings is one that, for our ancestors, and to be honest, I think for the vast majority of the world today, is normal. But for a lot of Western materialists, that's been so, How I, I think I would say, indoctrinated out of us that what remains of it is often a folk memory, or, or if, if not a cynical approach. And yet it's still the case that if you walk into a bookshop, you will find far more books on angels than you will find on any other spiritual subject, a normal that's secular right. bookshop.
0: It is a paradox. I think people have an intuition of God and they have a, a lesser intuition of angels. So... Um, You know, in this book, I interviewed uh, Peter Cosgrove about being a soul, a a believing Christian in battle. And he he refers to that old phrase, there are no atheists in foxholes, and he's respectful of the atheists he served with. But he said, you know, when you are facing death, you you tend to talk to God. And um, you also ask for help uh, all the time. And... um, you know, one of my favorite authors, J.R.R. R. Tolkien of Lord of the Rings, it very, has a very extensive correspondence about angels with his sons when they are going into battle. Mm-hmm. So, this is not a mawkish dad. So, Tolkien himself served in the First World War, like C.S. Lewis, uh, in the trenches and so on, had some terrible experiences. And his son, uh, one was in the Air Force and could well have been killed at any time. And he and his son had a correspondence and and Tolkien was saying, don't ever be scared to ask for the help of your guardian angel. And then they, they talk at length about. So some intellectuals still adhere to angels. The common folk do have a folk memory of it. Now, without being critical of any Christian tendency, even liberal Christianity, I myself don't understand the sort of tiny subset of Christians who say, I believe in Christianity. But the miracles didn't really happen. The virgin birth didn't really happen. The resurrection was not necessarily physical. And of course, I don't believe in angels. I mean, if you do that, half the Bible is rubbish. So if half of it is rubbish, why would you bother with it at all?
1: Well, and also it, that, that that doesn't make logical sense to me. That's like me saying, I believe that Greg Sheridan is a journalist in, in The Australian, but The Australian doesn't exist. There's no such thing as newspaper and foreign affairs are just, uh, you know, sexual things, you know. So, I mean, it, 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 it just doesn't make any sense to to say, on the one hand, I believe in something and then deny the
0: things that you say you believe in. In That's a, right. I mean, uh, you know, you'll forgive me, David, for being the first one to revert to Chesterton in, the, in this discussion, but he has a sense. He has a lovely sentence. He says that that attitude is like um, deploring drunkenness and then not believing in gin. You know, <laughs> you're, you're sorry that that fella is drunk, but you don't believe there's such a thing as as whiskey or gin that got him drunk.
1: Yeah, I think I told you this before, but I still love it. You know, when I came out of hospital 10 years ago and there was so many cards waiting for me, I'd been seriously ill and I'd been dying. And uh, a couple of militant atheists had written to me or had written a card saying, we're praying for you. And my only response was to write them back and say to whom? (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> <laughs> you know, but, well it's
0: very nice atheists. And, they were very uh, nice
1: but, yes it's funny yeah. everyone loves you when you're dying by
0: the way if you if you feel your popularity is waning you know <laughs> but, <laughs> well i'm very glad you didn't die and i'm glad you're with us still uh, clive james who took a long time to die uh yeah. was very funny about how he'd been doing his exit uh, his exit act for a long time and uh, people have got a bit tired of it <laughs>
1: Yeah, I mean, but it's funny though the the um, angelic thing because uh, you're very good, by the way. I've I've got my notes of what you you wrote in front of me, and you've anticipated every single one of the next subjects. So I'm I'm going to really test you and see what you know. What the next one will be. But you mentioned Tolkien already, and that intrigues me because um, Tolkien didn't speak of angels as some kind of you know little daily mail figure on your shoulder you know whispering into your ear and demons whispering into the other ear he had this sense of grandeur and and he really did believe in angels i mean and he would say he had some experience now i i think my own experience of the the spiritual world in that way is fairly limited and i think that is the case for most people the appearance of angels is not that frequent in the bible but I would say that there have been a couple of occasions when I've been aware of uh, spiritual force forces, both good and evil. Um, have you ever had any experience like that yourself, or?
0: Well, David, uh, as you ask me, I'll I'll tell you. But uh, <laughs> not something I really make a song and dance of. I did refer to it in a previous book when we were young and foolish. Uh, I had a year in a uh, in a uh, in a junior seminary. Uh, seeing if I might become a redemptorist priest. And um, they had a beautiful chapel. And uh, I used to go in the chapel a lot to pray. And uh, you never really, as an old bloke, you never really want anyone to come and discover you in prayer. You know, that would be a bit embarrassing. Uh, so I used to go up into the choir loft uh, to pray there. And one day I saw on the altar uh, a translucent figure um of radiant beauty in uh, in in white and uh, uh this was perplexing and a bit astonishing and uh uh but she she wouldn't go away and um, finally uh, I came down from the choir loft to see what was going on and as I came down you know when I emerged from the choir loft she was no longer there so uh I, I i have recounted this uh as an incidental experience in in a previous book but um but the reason i i'm very reluctant to to recount it or talk about it but at the same time i feel a journalist's duty to say the truth and to say what happened so that happened to me and uh and there it is
1: you know our our experiences can never be proof for other people No. but they, on the other hand, what we do experience, other people have to cope with that and say, okay, what was going on then? What was happening then? I mean, we feel the same at, at one level. You know, I, I often think, you know, the Christmas story, the shepherds and the angels coming, you know, and I think in the old AV version, it says that they were sore afraid to which my, my response was, yeah, you bet. I was yeah. I'd be absolutely terrified. If, yes. if, if things like that happened you know so again i think that comes back to the majesty of the angels as well you know the angelic beings and um but it is it, experiences like that they're both a wonder and they freak you out as well and they can be confusing as well at times you know because you wonder what's yeah, happening. absolutely yeah.
0: yeah and you don't like to talk about them because you you, yeah. you know you feel that you're um, that a you're diminishing them or demeaning them and B, you feel that your life has been so rackety and such a mess, you plainly haven't lived up to the, the generosity and the kindness you were shown. And C, uh, you don't want people to mock religion because they mock your foolish testimony. But at the end of the day, you have a fidelity to the truth. So uh, you have to tell the truth.
1: Yeah, and it is, but it is our experience or our truth. And there are things, you know. There are things that we just can't explain or we don't know. And, I mean, I'm not going around claiming that I speak to angels every day or, you know, you have these kinds of experiences, but sometimes you do. And uh, Tolkien was one of them. Now, another interesting thing you bring in here is Viktor Frankl. So, I, uh, it's funny, we've got so much in common because Man's Search for Meaning is, to me, a a book I've read and and I read and reread. Um, Why did you mention Viktor Frankl in terms of angels?
0: I'm so glad that uh, Viktor Frankl holds that place for you, David, as well as for me. Certainly it's one of the books which has had a great influence on my life. I read it first, uh, I don't know, 30 years ago or 40 years ago or something, and it's been an important book for me ever since. So Viktor Frankl was a Jewish um, uh, psychiatrist who was... uh, spent three years in labor and death camps in Nazi uh, under Nazi occupation. And um, his wife was in a different camp from him and she, she died and he had no notification of that. And his book, Man's Search for Meaning is really an attempt to make spiritual and psychological and human sense out of this experience. Mm -hmm. And, um, uh, Frankel remained a religious believer and said that what human beings need more than anything else in their lives is meaning. But the reason I refer to him in this particular chapter is because uh, he recounts a time when he's in a labor camp rather than a death camp and he's being driven to labor, you know, he's being they're walking to labor, but they're being abused by the guards. And if they fall over, they get smacked by the guards and hit with sticks and so forth. It's a humiliating and physically uh, painful experience in every way, and he finds himself in the midst of this contemplating the face of his wife, Mm -hmm. and his only desire, of course he'd like to have been out of the Nazi camp and free and everything, but his only desire at that moment was to have a few seconds where he could contemplate the face of his wife and the uh he recognizes in the end that that love is at the center of of the human being and he 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 makes the comparison he says all he wanted to do was just contemplate her image just conjure her image in his mind the beautiful face of his wife and he understood for the first time the passages in the bible about the angels lost in perpetual worship and uh singing the praises of God, and lost in perpetual contemplation of God. and he understood he understood the vocation of the angels, as it well, wasn't saying that his wife was God or anything like that. This was a deeply human uh, response. And um, I think it was just a glint of insight into part of the vocation of angels, which is one of the jobs they do is to help us, and one of the jobs they do, is to praise and know and contemplate to God.
1: Mm-hmm. I I love uh I love that and I particularly that phrase the angels are lost in perpetual contemplation of an infinite glory which I think describes the role of angels but you've also mentioned there the role of them as as messengers and helpers and I was particularly struck just right at the end of the chapter with this thing about children where Matthew eighteen ten, Jesus says, take care that you do not despise one of these little ones. For I tell you in heaven, their angels continually see the face of my father in heaven. I mean, if Jesus hadn't said that, I would say that was some kind of, you know, hallmark style theology, you know, kind of, it, it, you know what I mean? That it, it's a, yes. a it seems a bit cute, you know, a bit just too. but but Jesus says it, and he says it very strongly, and it's very clear, and I, I think it's actually a wonderful thought. Uh, I mean, do you want to say anything more about that
0: before we go? Yeah, absolutely. So, all through the Gospels, there are a lot of themes of Jesus in the Gospels, one of which is that he rewards persistent prayer, another of which is that he has a particular care for children, mm-hmm. and I believe everybody and every sin can be forgiven if they repent, but A sin which injures children is really a grave, grave, grave sin. Mm -hmm. And he tells us this. Jesus tells us this in his own words. He's not accustomed to telling lies, and I think we have to take that pretty seriously. Mm -hmm. Uh, There's a special mystery in the innocence of children. And and then, of course, this passage affirms angels again. Their angels in heaven Mm -hmm. look constantly on the face of my father. So... Jesus is not going to make this up. You know, there it is. It's it's their angels, uh, and um, in this beautiful book of Marilyn Robinson's Gilead, uh, the the preacher uh, Ames, um, John Ames, um, reflects that this passage has given consolation to hundreds of millions of Christians throughout the ages, and it is, I think, one of the great consoling passages in the Bible that uh, the most innocent and the most powerless of human beings are a special concern of God. And indeed, he sends his messengers. Among the many ways he helps them is to send his messengers, the angels to help them as well.
1: Yeah, you know, I think that's wonderful. I was at a school yesterday, a Redeemer Baptist in in North Parramatta, and it was just incredible. There are 500 pupils being Parramatta, a very multi-ethnic. And I particularly, when I I looked to my right as I was speaking, there was the the preschoolers, you know, uh, Koreans, Chinese, Indians, you know, European, uh, you know, indigenous, Mm. African, just incredible. And you, you do feel that compassion. And you also feel maybe that sense of wanting to protect, but also a sense of shame at sometimes when the church has you know, I mean, I, I think child abuse in the church, I, I I find it difficult to conceive of anything worse. And, you know, not just the Catholic Church, but other churches as well have had that. And that's just been appalling, hasn't it?
0: It is. It's the worst thing I've ever known about the Christian church. Yeah. And uh, it's, as, it's as bad as anything that has ever been done by Christians. So Christians, mm-hmm. you know, they don't gain exemption from the human condition by being Christians. They're still the fallen we're still a fallen race. They're still flesh and blood. They're still prone to the temptations. Um, it's almost impossible to understand child abuse, I think. And, you know, it recalls the line of Solzhenitsyn that the the line between good and evil runs down the centre of every human heart. Some of these people who engaged in child abuse did start out with good intentions and sometimes heroic virtue and shocking vice.
1: Mm-hmm
0: and but not a I, million miles away it's a precipice yeah. that people tread over but in in some i agree with you it is the it is the worst thing i've ever known about christians
1: yeah well i would say it's the word i mean i i you know i do seriously question uh, the christianity of anyone who gets involved in that but what i would what i would say also is paradoxically what you, you referred to there is the the love of christ and the love of god for children and this provision of 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 angels you know i sometimes uh, you know m- mistakenly refer to my you know granddaughters as angels funny how we always think of girls as angels but not boys whereas the i do think that's
0: are- so funny to tell you the truth uh, right. no,
1: I would, <laughs> no but the sorry. angels are sexless i think that's a view of an angel which is not a biblical one but never mind Greg, I mean, it, it's really good to think of all of that as Chris, at Christmas, and, and and as we head towards Christmas, I think I think this is a really good subject to think about. Thank you again for uh, being David, so David. can worried. I add
0: one final? Yeah. Sure. Can I add one final thought? Just um, not to take us back to child abuse, but a book that I didn't cite in this book, but that is a really wonderful book, is called Child Arise by a child abuse survivor and uh, a, a woman who later became a nun, and it's a book of biblical and other meditations on the solidarity of jesus in people's suffering Mm -hmm. and the kind of um, biblical and spiritual reflections that an abuse survivor that helps an abuse survivor um deepen their faith and uh so i mean ending on on the note of abuse is a terrible note to end on i apologize for that but but i just want i had planned to do a whole chapter on this and it just became too big it would have it would have been a different book. It would have been a new, wholly different book. But um, but I would refer people to this lovely book called Child Child Arise um, uh, of, of gentle meditations uh, on that. But putting that aside, I think angels are a cheerful subject. Uh, I agree they're sexless, but I'm not surprised that they're associated with women because they're nurturing and they're. Gentle and their healers, the archangel I chose for my confirmation, name, Raphael, is the patron angel of healing. You know, and um, women tend to be better at this than blokes, like a lot of other things. And oh, that, you're so
1: you know you're 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 such a misanthropist. You're such a sexist. <laughs> and uh, uh, we'll we we'll need to sort this out when we get past Christmas. But as, Greg, again, thank you. It, it's it's always uh, good to talk to you. I, I do think this actually and. I, I, I think there's much more to this subject, and I do think it's really, really, uh, important, and to recognize the spiritual world. And also, by the way, uh, it says in Hebrews that w- when you show hospitality to people, you're entertaining some, you could be entertaining angels unaware. So it's, you know, angels could come in the form of human beings. So anyway, when you make it to our Tarman, or when you make it to Sydney, we'll take you to our Tarman, and you, we'll, we'll entertain
0: you as an angel, okay? <laughs> David that's given me every, uh, every incentive to, to be there thank you very much I really have enjoyed our discussion so much thank you All right.
1: God bless bye